everyone, and welcome to episode 400 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you this fine Monday, Richard? Hey, Seth. Uh, happy, happy Monday morning. Happy happy Monday to you. It's a, it's a good Monday. It's a, it's a good Monday. I got to watch the magic this weekend. Got to watch some football, but we're not going to talk about that. So, uh, so yeah, we got another co-host. And, uh, and Krim, good morning, Krim. How are you this fine Monday? Uh, good morning. I, I am I am very much awake. <laughs> so, that's good. Hello. That's, that's good. Hi. That's, that's a win. When you were podcasting, being awake yes. is certainly benefic- beneficial, yes. I have found. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That is a, a huge plus. <laughs> But good morning, everyone. Uh, good morning. So today, kind of a weird week for the podcast. We're technically in spoiler season, but it's Infinity spoiler season. And I'm not sure how many people care about Infinity, but we're going to talk about Infinity spoilers a bit. I also wanted to talk about Arena Championship 1, the big tournament that apparently very few people actually knew was going on over the weekend. So I wanted to talk about that a little bit. And then, of course, answering your fish mail question. So that's the plan for today. Before we get into it, a reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit, the easiest way to sell your magic cards. And if you're tired of all the hassles that go into buy listing your cards, Card Conduit lets you skip them. You don't gotta do all the typing and spend all the time and do all the work. With their curated service, you can send in as many cards as you want with a buy list value of $1 or more and pay just a 5% service fee. And if you wanna put in a bit of effort on your end, you can use their sorted service where you list and sort your cards ahead of time and pay just a 2% fee And no matter which option you choose, you're going to get a detailed report with the results in a fast payment once your order is processed. And right now, you need even get another 10% off if you head over to cardconduit.com slash mtggoldfish. Card Conduit, they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards. So thank you to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And let's talk some magic and... Let's start with Arena Championship 1. I've been waiting for this podcast so we could talk about this <laughs> tournament that went on over the weekend. Uh, did did either of you get a chance to check out any of Arena Championship number one? No, no. I did not watch any of that. It was that alchemy, was... so uh, <laughs> I, just, I just read angry posts on reddit (laughs) yeah those those posts there were there were many of them uh i gotta say like it was it was something else i was not expecting this i would i went into this feeling like kind of good about where we're going with coverage and organized play i can't remember what the last tournament i watched was that wizards put on but i remember watching and i was like wow this is actually really good like I, i thought they did a really good job the coverage was solid so I didn't really spend the weekend watching uh, <laughs> Arena Championship 1 because it is alchemy and that's just like not really my thing, uh, which is a whole nother topic, why they would choose alchemy for this. But I did catch like bits and pieces and then I watched the last couple of rounds last night of the actual championship of the top eight and uh, it was it was rough. It was like really, really rough. Uh, so as far as like actually playing Magic, whatever, we can debate whether alchemy is a good choice for this. Uh, viewership was... I would say not very good. It was hovering around $4,000. Actually, hilariously, I looked it up on Saturday and the stream was at like 3,200 people. And that was actually less people than Crokey's had streaming the Saturday before just by himself. I was like, oh, it's probably not good for a $200,000 like pro. This is a pro tour. This is the equivalent of a pro tour under the new system. Like this is supposed to be a big thing. So the viewership wasn't good. And the stream was just 
stuttering and lagging and sometimes there'd be no audio and sometimes it would do the weird like uh, they talk for a second and then it would cut out and like jump forward a few seconds so the audio was like just so stuttery and choppy it was it was a mess to the point where like if this was my stream i probably would have been like sorry everyone i'm having issues on my end i just i gotta shut this down and like figure out you know i'll be back on thursday or whatever with another stream it was like it was it was that bad so <sighs> the commentators were great like that that was the one thing that was like kind of saving the event to some extent is the people they actually had commentating i think did a wonderful job so none of it was their fault but technical issues viewership the chat was just people complaining like it's the top eight there's tons of money on the line it was actually a really interesting final match between two racto sacrifice decks really really fun to watch and the chat was just people complaining about alchemy complaining about the stream like that was all it was so uh, I came away from it feeling very disappointed and thinking like maybe they're just investing everything into the return of paper pro tours and this is like they don't really care about arena pro tours that's the one thing that gives me a slight bit of hope like maybe that's where all their budget and time and effort is going otherwise it was kind of like just an embarrassing weekend for for professional magic in my opinion so I don't know what what do you guys think like I know you didn't get to watch much of it but what do we do with viewership and alchemy and is there anything we can do to save this? I mean, so so normally when you watch a Watsy stream, right? The the quality may be like laggy or different language because they're they're using like Discord streaming to get the POVs instead of an actual spectator mode. But this time from what I understand, it was beyond that. Like the commentators were cutting in and out and like the yeah. the actual like main broadcast was was using like Spectrum or something. I, I don't know, right? It, it felt like Krim was streaming from his <laughs> yeah. like basement or whatever. He's like, sorry guys, internet's out, Spectrum. Uh, so I don't I don't know what's wrong. Like I I still remember like, the early day of esports where like you bring in the satellite van or something. So you have like double internet, right? Like you have like backup internet for your backup to make sure it actually works. Like so I don't I don't know. And like so I, I understand that they want to push alchemy. But this just seems like the wrong place to do it, right? Like, people who watch on Twitch are super invested, right? They're the Redditors, right? They are the actual Redditors. And the Redditors are the ones that always complain about alchemy, right? So, like, you're going to lose here, right? Like, if you want to push alchemy, you need to push it in some other way. But you're really basically going to, like, the den of the enemy and, like, broadcasting alchemy, <laughs> right? And asking for it. <laughs> so even if there were no technical issues, I, I, I would have guessed that the top eight would have just been people complaining about alchemy anyway, right? And then as a new player, you come in, you're like, yeah, I want to join the magic community, and, like, yeah, this is, like, a big event. And you just see people complaining and complaining and complaining, right? So I feel Wizards, like, goofed on multiple fronts, like, technically, but also choice and format. Like, if they wanted to do alchemy, they needed to push it in some other way towards their actual target audience, which is the more casual crowd and not kind of like the hardcore online Twitch Reddit crowd. Yeah, that's that's not gonna not gonna be a win for Wizards going with that crowd for Alchemy. They just they already know the feedback from that group is already very loud. But what do you think about this, Grim? I I I would have understanding the toxicity that comes from the chat, like and I'd fully expect that. I would have just turned off chat after a certain point like to be honest with you like i i i you know people are going to be super toxic if it's anything alchemy related right so that's why it's just like okay i think either a you turn off the chat and then deal with it just like whatever it's a it's a pro tour with no chat 
I, I, w- I would sooner accept that, f- like, if I knew I was streaming, that just for, uh, if I was broadcasting anything alchemy-related, just like Richard had mentioned, uh, you know, if you're a new player, you're, you want to get hyped on Magic, you want to get into it, you go and tune into, the, like, the Pro Tour equivalent, and it's just people complaining 25-7. I don't think you want that. Other than that, uh, I think I would have maybe changed the format if this is, like, the first... This was the first thing, right? Like that that we broadcast, like getting back into the, under the new competitive circuit. So I don't know. There, I probably wouldn't have chosen Alchemy as the first format, but on top of that, I would have also probably just turned off the chat. I mean, isn't turning off the chat like? Isn't that no. admitting you messed up? <laughs> like, if everyone hates what you're doing so yeah. much that they're it's being like, hey, don't do this. Like, the solution isn't turning off your YouTube comments. It's like doing what your audience wants and what your customer wants. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, exactly, right? Like, if you if you fully went into this knowing it's going to be alchemy, yeah, why not? Just like, sure. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, people are upset about it. It's not like all of a sudden if the set changes or if like, you know there's a new PT rule or like under a new PT system, everyone's going to love alchemy. Right. So honestly, yeah, I would have just turned off the comments and just taken, taken the bullet on that. And then just kept going with the broadcast. They, they actually did like probably the worst thing, which was they just like started banning and timing out anyone who said anything critical of the stream, which then just got the rest of the chat to start talking about how the mods were like going ham and timing out people who weren't actually doing anything offensive and just being like, why is your stream so suddenly like, oh, you're out of here. One person, they said, what is Hooglin modding this stream? Why are so many people getting timed out? And they like, and they like booted him. I was like cracking up because like, that's kind of like a meme about how Jeff fans, I love Jeff, but he just bans people so, so aggressive aggressively and that was like timeout worthy so yeah it was it was wild it was definitely a wild week what do you think this means about (sighs) alchemy like at some point we keep getting all these little signs like you have people complain on social media but that's just the enfranchised crowd so you can't read too much into it and then you get like the play data from the trackers that shows it's unpopular but that's also just like people enfranchised enough to get trackers and then you have a tournament and the viewership's mad is it uh, bad is there ever a point where all of this adds up to wizards being like huh, maybe we should stop pushing alchemy so hard. Or do you think this is just, you just keep going and <laughs> alchemy until the morale improves type of thing. And and I should I mean, say, yeah. I think alchemy should exist. I'm not saying they should like delete it. And if you're someone who enjoys alchemy, that's awesome. But as far as like pushing it as a, you know, a big Twitch format for pro tours and stuff. Is there ever a point where, where they reel back on that end of it? So not saying like, if you, you know, enjoy alchemy, whatever, you're a bad person, like play what you want, enjoy it, what you want. I'm glad you can play alchemy, but pushing it as far as like being a big public event, could that ever happen? At this point, I don't, I don't know if it could. Um, Just because even, even people like, uh, people will just stop by to like pretty much like, talk trash on alchemy right no matter what so i i think that at this point it's just if if people are going to say anything about alchemy it's never going to be anything good uh so the press around it and everything around the format as a whole is uh probably not great and so i think it's it's kind of unfortunately doomed so i i don't know i don't think that alchemy is the way to go unfortunately yeah, I think the name is doomed. <laughs> if you want alchemy, you gotta like toss it in the dirt and like rebrand it as something else. Uh, but mega alchemy, mega alchemy. <laughs> but like, yeah. it, it really yeah. serves no purpose, right? Like, one standard is good, 
alchemy is useless, right? One standard is bad. You might play alchemy, right? So like, are you banking on standard being bad all the time so that you can have like the backup standard to actually work? Like if they're both good, like you have two rotating formats that like do weird things. So I think that wizards will just fold alchemy after a while, right? That they'll, you know, standard's a really good spot right now. So like they can do it. And I think just like having this distraction that's alchemy doesn't make sense, right? And especially on Arena, now that you have Historic and you have Explorer, there is no real need for this other format in addition to Limited, right? And then you have Brawl. Uh, so I would actually rather see them push like Historic Brawl or something than like keep pushing alchemy, right? Like we already have so many play modes on Arena. What is the point of alchemy, right? And the only point is when Standard is horrendous and you should probably fix that because paper magic is still a thing, right? Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at, too. Like, I know I'm probably, like, biased, because I don't really play alchemy, and we've talked at length about the issues that have come up with alchemy. But really, I don't really see the point of it, either. I feel like your event, if it was standard, it would have went probably much smoother. If it was even explore, historic, it probably would have been a lot smoother. So hopefully Wizards doesn't just keep bashing their head into this alchemy wall over and over again because we know how it goes we saw an example of it again this weekend and it was not good the other feedback that i think is really interesting and i want to know what you guys thought about this so one big thing i noticed with chat which i think is a legitimate complaint is i don't know what the cards do i can't see the cards people were playing special versions of the cards there were players from all around the world so some players had cards in non-native languages for some people and there were people who i assume were newer players that are like I don't know what that card style is. Like, I don't know what that card is. And something that people said in chat that I think is right is, well, the solution is a spectator mode. We know that. We know that that's the solution, but Wizards is not moving quickly or even at all towards that. Is there any merit to being like, you can't play card styles in these tournaments? Or I guess you, it wouldn't be fair to make a Japanese player play with English cards because they're a disadvantage. Is there anything you can do about this as like a, a workaround or is it really like just get your stuff together, Wizards, and put spectator mode in so people know what's going on? I mean, so, so the only reason for pro magic on Arena is to sell cosmetics, right? There's like no way to monetize this in like any way. I guess you can sell cards as well, right? Like you craft wild cards, yeah. right? But like when you release any new cosmetic for like any game, they want to celebrate it with a big tournament, with events, whatever. Like everyone needs to know you can get like anime Jace the Mind Sculptor or something, right? And then everyone's like, oh my God, right? I don't know what this is, but I'll buy it, right? So they cannot disable skins. That is very sad, right? Um, and you can't make people play in different languages. That's weird. So yeah. like spectator mode, right? Spectator mode is the answer to this and especially in client spectator mode where you can just follow along you can hover whatever cards you want you can expand the graveyard take a look at it right like that's what you really need right and it's been how many years and i don't know like i feel they've given up on esports right i felt if esports was a thing like spectator mode should have been here like somewhere right uh but i don't know like spectator mode fixes everything fixes the lag fixes the languages fixes the card styles like even if your player doesn't want to play with the skins, you can force skins on the UI to sell whatever you want to sell, right? Like, yeah. so I, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like there's just some budget for esports, and they just use it up to say they used it, but like, they're not really trying to push it or or do anything, right? Like, I, I would say 
rather than being damning for alchemy, this tournament's kind of damning for <laughs> competitive magic, right? If this was like the first big esports thing uh, in a while, and this is the level, like the technical incompetence that, that they showed, and also just like, you know, what, what they thought about marketing it and like how they appeal to the audience, like, I think they're not investing in esports anymore. Like, wait, what, what, what did the CEO say at the last like investor? <laughs> Are we a top three esport card game? I think still, or? I think that's 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 died down. We haven't heard the top five esport thing in a in a minute. So I, I I came away from it wondering if they cared. Like that's that's how I that was my impression. Like maybe Wizard just really doesn't care about this, and like the community was so vocal about esports and pro tours ending that they felt like they had to bring something like this back, and are just like doing the bare minimum to like make people sort of happy that it exists, but not really putting in a lot of time and effort or money into it. But ah, I don't know. Do you think paper will be different? Like we do know paper pro tours are coming back like in February or something. We don't have the exact date yet, but it's coming back this winter. Should, is this what we should be expecting for that too? Or do you think that's going to be different and more better? I don't know. <laughs> Focus. Good. Something. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know if paper, I mean, I, th I think paper will do better, but like, I don't know if it'll be like, oh my God, competitive magic is thriving now. I I'm a little bit worried when it comes back, it'll still kind of be in this like little waning like area of just like, I don't know. No, I, I don't, I don't think I'm exactly hyped on it returning either. It's not that I th it just, I don't have confidence about it. So. There's no spectator mode in real life. There's no, yeah, you can't read the card. <laughs> now we can play. Can yeah, I, can, I can't. I can't. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. Have you we seen trade standard one prices? Like, yeah. it's six hundred dollars for a deck in standard if you're playing black, which newsflash: yeah. top five decks are black based, right? Like meatballs, like seventy five bucks or like something ridiculous. Yeah. Like I, I can't imagine you tuning in and on Twitch and being like, ah, oh, yes, let's let's build this deck. And they're like six hundred dollars, right? Like so, paper has its own concerns, and I don't, I don't know. Maybe just go modern. Like you might as well just show modern and forget standard whatsoever. But like a standard pro tour, I don't know would do well either because I don't know anyone that plays standard anymore. Or anyone can afford to play standard anymore. Hilariously, I think that uh, top tier pioneer decks are actually cheaper than standard. Now, if you just look through the the top like five or six decks of the meta, most of those are like five hundred. Some of them are less, so they actually are cheaper than buying a standard deck. So, I guess that's the direction to go if you're trying to be budget conscious. Maybe you just don't buy into standard and buy a pioneer deck instead that'll last longer, theoretically. But, well, yeah. So that is that is organized play. <sighs> I, I don't know. I don't know what we're doing with it. Hopefully it improves in the future, but it was not an encouraging weekend overall. Although Sam Ralph won and he was super fun to watch play. Uh, Phil, Phil Helmsmith. What's the poker famous poker player? His, his moto name's the same as that. He's a very well-known like magic online player, but he actually just like crushed it and played super well. And they had actual face cams. One of the things they did do right is they had face cams on the players. And it was really fun to watch because he would like react to all of his top decks and get like super excited when he draws something good. And like, so that part was actually fun to watch. So shout out to Sam Ralph for like playing really well and being super fun to watch. It was cool to see him actually take down this tournament and get the prize money. But other than that, and the caster is doing a good job. Not a whole lot of redeeming factors from this weekend, but anyway, When's let's the next talk. Pro Tour, Seth? When, when are we going to a paper so, Pro Tour in Hawaii? Is that happening anytime? Yeah. <laughs> 
paper pro tour featuring pioneer this winter they haven't announced the date yet okay. but sometime this winter the the first of the year so i'm guessing like january february sometime in that range so fingers crossed that it'll actually be good i'm excited to have a pioneer pro tour like i think it's going to be interesting to see that we i don't think we've ever had a pioneer pro tour before because pioneer came out during the no op everything on arena era so i'm going to be hyped hopefully it it runs a little smoother and they learn from this one but Anyway, we got a new set coming out. There's always a new set coming out. We got a new unset coming out, actually. Uh, Unfinity. We're on the last day of spoilers, I think. This set's so weird. Uh, some of the cards are legal. Some of them are not. Before we jump into some spoilers, we got most of the set now. Where are you guys at with Unfinity? Is this a set that you're, like, interested in on a personal level? Or is this one of these, uh, I'm glad some people enjoy it, but this just isn't for me type of sets? I, I am on a, I enjoy this set uh, just because it's so much fun to see what they've like, you know, like see the cards. Unfinity stuff is always just a, a blast to look at uh, and to see what like gets just what nonsense comes out of it. So, yeah, I, I really like it so far. It's fun, like browsing a custom card Reddit, <laughs> that same, the same, yeah. the same sort of feeling where you're like, oh, that's kind of cool and funny, but then you might actually have to play against these cards, which that's you know, a little different. But what do you think, Richard? I, I'm too old for this. Like, it's so complicated. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm already complaining about like the 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 complexity creep in standard sets. They just amped it up. Like all the new mechanics, like are like super confusing. They do like eight million things and like. The joke is like so hard to understand. Like just, just like Space Valorant, I get it. Okay, like Space Valorant, funny, yeah. right? But like some of these cards, like the abilities, it's just like so much. I'm like, where's the joke? I don't get it. It's like so complicated. What am I doing? Like I, I can't read like eight sided cards anymore, right? Like forget it, right? So I think it's too complicated. I don't see anything that's like crazy for me. Um, I guess we'll talk about it later, but I do have complaints about how some of these mechanics are going into eternal formats where everyone gets to deal with them. Uh, but I don't know, like, what happened to just, like, standing up and flapping your arms like a chicken or something? Like, yeah. the old silver-boarded cards, right? Like, these are so, like, in-jokey that, like, I don't know. I just don't get them anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I kind of feel the same way. It's certainly very complex. Like, the new mechanics are... Uh, unless that's part of the joke, maybe. Maybe there's some meta joke about how, you know, complexity creep is in magic. And this is like highlighting that in a weird roundabout way. Maybe maybe it's some sort of meta joke. But yeah, the mechanics are kind of just like mind-boggling, uh, mind-boggling complex. And normally with a set like this, you can just ignore it because it's all silver bordered. But like you said, these are cards that can be played in Commander, can be played in Eternal formats. How much those cards are actually going to show up? That's that's another question. I think people that are like super freaking out about like stickers ruining Legacy or something are probably being a little chicken literally, and it's not actually going to be anywhere near that bad. But uh, let's talk about some cards. Let's talk about the eternal ramifications of some of these cards. These are all real cards these are not acorn cards so these are ones that actually are legal to play the ones that we're going to be talking about richard take it away all right so as a reminder as seth alluded to some of the cards in the set are legal in eternal which means legacy vintage commander um and some are not and the ones that are not have an acorn hollow stamp in the bottom middle um so okay uh, so we're going to start off with a Planeswalker, a Doggo Planeswalker, Comet, <laughs> Stellar Pup. Two red and a white, four mana value, legendary Planeswalker, Comet, five starting loyalty. 
uh, this is eternal legal, and all the cards we talk about today will be eternal legal, by the way. Uh, so one ability, zero, to activate uh, loyalty. Roll a six-sided die. If it's one or two, uh, it's a plus two. Then create two plus one plus one green squirrel creature tokens. They gain haste until end of turn. Uh, a three is a minus one. Return a card with mana value two or less from your graveyard to your hand. Four or five. Uh, Comet deals damage equal to the number of loyalty counters on him to a creature or player, then minus two. Six is plus one. You may activate Comet Stellar Pup's loyalty abilities two more times this turn. So you, it's, a, it's a re-roll ultimate. This... This card, I will say I love the design of it. If you're trying to design a top-down dog planeswalker, I think you kind of nail it. Like, you're chasing the squirrels. You're, like, digging up a bone for the negative three. I think the four or five is, like, biting someone. You go a little aggro and bite someone, and it hurts. Uh, And then, I don't know, you get a a burst of energy or something for the negative six, and you're just, like, in the high-energy mode. So I like the flavor of this card. This is a card people have actually had legit conversations about whether it can see play in Legacy. I guess I'm not a super legacy expert. I don't see it. I think like all these abilities are good, but traditionally random effects are just not as good as they look because you're not going to get the right ability for the situation you're in. So I think if this was controlled and you had this same planeswalker and it didn't involve rolling a D6, I think it would be very strong. As it is, I think it's fine, but it's hard for me to imagine legacy players are actually going to like roll six-sided dies and get random abilities. Like you play a Jace, you can play like Minskin Boo. Like there's some really strong planeswalkers that aren't <laughs> aren't random, but uh, I don't know. What do you think, Rim? I I, I love the card uh, itself. I think it's hilarious. I think it's going to be a blast to play with. But I have no. I, wait, why would this be? eternal playable outside of like commander so it's, I mean, it's, it's like, super valuey right so yeah it, it's four mana and if you just say do the first ability a one or a two it goes to seven loyalty and two squirrels right if you manage to hit the ultimate and then hit the first one you'd go to 10 loyalty four squirrels right like so you you can go like pretty nuts on this. It's like just super valuey. The problem is like if you're trying to like answer something on the board or something, and then you don't hit the right one, yeah. you might just die. But like if if I think I look, okay, I don't know too much about legacy, right? But if if we were in top deck mode and I plopped this down, I think I'd be very pleased with it, right? If we were both empty boarded and top deck, like this would probably take over the game and win. Um, you know, if I'm getting beaten down and I'm trying to do something, this may not work. But it's just it's just kind of Oko at four mana, right? Like you can get so much loyalty, um, you can like double return something from the graveyard. Like that ultimate is crazy, right? Like if you get a double activation on this, I think you're pretty happy with it. Uh, so that's why you would play it. Now, is this what you want to be doing in Legacy? I have no idea, <laughs> right? This this feels like yeah. a very fair card to be dirtling around with. Um, but I'm sure someone can fit it in a Legacy deck and win. Like, it's serviceable yeah. enough I mean, for it to finish <laughs> a game, right? I, I would love that. I w- obviously, I would love that. But I, I do not... Exactly. That, that was the main thing. Like, I, I don't even feel like everything you've mentioned is even good enough in Legacy, right? Like, 
two squirrels, you know, all of that. I spent four mana for that in Legacy. I don't, I don't know if I like that at all. It's also boros. Um, however, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's it's weird color combo to like be jamming in blue? Legacy. Oh, I think I think the, oh. the value of it would like two x. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, if it were blue, like blue white or something, or blue red, sure. But oh. like, although Commander, this will be fun. This will be super fun to drop in my Commander deck. I've heard people actually saying that not being blue is one of the reasons to consider it because Legacy is so Delver heavy that Pyroblast and Red Elemental Blast are like super heavily played right now. So like Jace has kind of gotten pushed out of the format almost because those cards are so popular. So people are thinking like maybe it's an upside because it's going to dodge like the REB effects and like stay on the battlefield. So I I still don't know if I actually see And Commander, would you play this outside of a dice rolling deck? I think I play it in a dice rolling deck because it's another way to roll a die maybe a bunch of times if you hit a six. But would you just play this outside of that? I, I mean, outside of memes, I guess. If you want to play it in Dog Tribal or something just because it's flavorful. But is this a good commander card or just like kind of a funny commander card? This is definitely a funny, fun commander card. I mean, it's not even like there's no deck where I feel like this card just like pops off and takes over, right? Like, uh, I, I don't think in Commander, if I made like even four squirrels, it would really do that all that much. However, it is adorable, and I do love the card. So, yeah, he's a good boy. Of course, every deck could play him that has red and white. Why not? Only because he's cute. I think you guys are... <laughs> am I really high on this card for no reason? <laughs> like, that ultimate is so crazy, right? Like... If you hit that ultimate, it goes to six loyalty. And if you do four and five, the double burn, you would do six and four damage, right? That's 10 damage to the face if you want, or 10 damage across like two creatures. Like, I think you could actually play this as, and like, if you get like two squirrels, that's enough chump blockers. You get like four squirrels, that's enough chump blockers. Keep this alive. You're sitting at 10 loyalty. Like, who's going to kill this? It's like an Oko. So I actually think you could play this in a non meme fashion in Commander. Like, just as a pure value engine. The thing is, though, you got to roll a six to do it. So you're only going to have that, what, 16%, 17% of the time or something? Like, yeah. as a, if you could always do that, that would be great. But is doing it, you know, one out of every five or six games, is that still enough to make it exciting? Like two Another squirrels, thing- seven loyalty for four mana. Yeah. Like, okay. okay. You can crew hard a cure in forever. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> But, I feel this has potential. Like this is, you can. I, I feel you can play this in a non-meme fashion and get something done with it. I mean, it does. All really? the abilities are good. Like getting back something from a graveyard, that's good. The squirrels are fine. Dealing a damage, probably enough to kill something most of the time. So none of the abilities are bad. I'm still just, I don't know. I've heard people talk about trying to like combo with it with like barbarian class or pixie guide stuff that gives you more die rolls the problem with that plan is though if you actually read those cards they don't let you pick the dice that you want to keep it just lets you ignore the lowest roll so you don't actually really gain more control over a comet you just like are more likely to get a four five or six really because you're cutting the lowest dice rolls off of it so I don't know. Well, I'm ready for Dog Oko. I'm ready for one month from now. We're eating our words. And we're like, oh my God, who didn't see this dog coming? Like, so much value (laughs) in one card. And we're all like, oh, vintage is in shambles. The the format is a comet format. Okay. (laughs) Everyone's sitting there with like pyroblast, like, oh, what do I do against this? (laughs) Blue elemental blast will be the new tech. 
Because <laughs> you, you got to stop this card. I think we will see someone 5-0 with it if it's on Moto. You know people are going to jam it in their decks. Like, yeah. And it's good enough that you could win with it in your deck. Is it actually better than Minskin Boo or something? Okay, what, I don't what, Is it CEDH viable, Seth? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's your department. Would you play this in your, your Rogag Arden pile, Richard? Is it, you can get back here. I don't know. Not Swords to Plowshares because you don't believe just, in that. Okay, so I gotta, dousing I gotta go, dagger. I got to go join a small CEDH tournament and play Boro <laughs> Stacks and like finish the job with comet (laughs) (laughs) all right um next card uh so we we alluded to mr uh space bellerin so two white and a blue three loyalty legendary planeswalker jace space sculptor uh Jace divides the battlefield into alpha, beta, and gamma sectors. If a creature isn't assigned to a sector, its controller assigns it to one. Opponents assign first. Plus one creatures in each sector can be blocked this turn only by creatures in the same sector. Minus one, put a plus one plus one on each creature in the sector of your choice. Minus five, destroy all creatures in the sector of your choice. We we finally got a standard with no Jace, and it turns out he was just lost lost in space. Apparently, <laughs> wandering around out there in the stars. This card is bad, right? Like this one seems way worse than Comet to me. I I can kind of buy the Comet doing good things. This though seems like it just does not much. Maybe in Commander, I guess it's like kind of silly and fun, but it still doesn't seem like an, a a powerful card to me. Uh, I, I think that in a commander format, this is like definitely still worse than, than Comet, but like it can be played alongside with like, you know, blue, white flyers and stuff like that. Uh, just, I don't know. It, it, it seems pretty fun, right. To play with, uh, other than that, I mean, I don't think like it's a hard, it's hard to keep up with when it comes to board state wise, uh, I, I don't think any like that was like one of the big complaints. Like, how, how do you manage this? This is not that hard to manage. Uh, do I think the card is bad in any format outside of commander? Yes, it is awful in vintage. It's awful in legacy. I don't I don't see why I'd want this. So I think it's a fun card. I think it's super funny to see. So that that's why I'd play it. So you remove like a third of the blocker. So like, OK, say we have like giant EDH. Board. Okay. We all have 10 creatures. Yep. Your yep. opponents need to divide into three sectors. If they all, yep. if they stack it all into one, then they're gonna die to an alpha strike, right? So most likely they need to split it amongst three. So, and then you can stack all of yours into one sector and then do the yep. plus and like alpha strike, or do the minus and like pump them all up or something like that. Like, I I, I don't know <laughs> what you would do with this, like. I, I feel everyone would just concede and go away. Like, can you imagine remembering which sector all your creatures are in and, like, keeping that assignment up and making sure your blocks are legal? Like, what if can you ban across sectors? I don't know. Uh, so, so, like, it's just super confusing. And I don't know what fun we add to this and what this has to do no with. No one plays ban. Jace, and- but yeah. <laughs> And apparently it's like day and night where you have to track it forever. So if someone plays a space bellerin on turn four, even if you just kill the space bellerin, the sectors remain <laughs> for the rest of the game in case Jace gets reanimated or something. It could be relevant. So in theory, you're supposed to 
by the from what everyone's saying in theory you're supposed to keep tracking it even if chase doesn't exist anymore i think you nailed how you play it like i imagine your opponent split into all three sectors so they don't get wrecked by the unblockability you go in one sector to try to maximize like the plus one plus one counter on blockability i don't know it's so four mana like is making your team like pseudo unblockable or putting a aren't there just easier ways to do that like if you play a jenny goldman you put a counter on all your stuff or uh, there's ways to make your stuff unblockable or give them evasion uh, i guess you just play it to troll be like because everyone i think the worse. fact that everyone's so <laughs> so salty about how this card's gonna play and having to sort their stuff i think you just play it to be like ah like have fun tracking four battlefields now everyone <laughs> gotcha i mean there. Cards like that have already existed throughout Magic, though. That's true. Like I don't, I don't. Raging River, right, like, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you have Chaos Moon. You have like, you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's lots of random troll cards that have existed. <laughs> so I don't know. I, like this, this one's actually fairly easier to track. That's. I mean, yeah. You put it into different piles. I, I dislike yeah, that you're it's... supposed to keep tracking it. That's the part that gets me. Like, I could see, like, if it only worked when Jace was on the battlefield, but uh, doing it for the rest of the game, maybe just no one will do it. I think that's what well, people it, do it. It matters because you can play another Jace later on, or your opponents can play their own Jace, right? You can have a Jace yeah. off, right? Like... I don't I don't know what universe or you're all living in where you think that everyone's gonna just start packing space ballerins because like this card is still it's, it's, bad. It's, like it's the meta, you know, when your opponent plays space ballerin, you need a counter with your own space ballerin, you know? Okay, okay. I mean you're right. You might have to change like the that, sectors. God, that is that is a very weird timeline. If you think that all of a sudden it's gonna be space ballerin mirrors, I, I, I I'm sorry. I don't think that's gonna happen. I mean, um, so, so but, the argument against maybe. this card and older cards, so if this set is popular, right, people will just open Space Ballard and they'll just throw mm -hmm. them in their decks for the memes, right? They're not going to go buy them. whatever, you know, 1997, you know, horrible mechanic card just for the memes. And I, I think the biggest argument for this is if I'm playing EDH and I sit down and you play Universes Beyond cards and I don't like them. It's like, whatever, right? They're on your side of the battlefield. I don't need to interact with them. I, you know, I might need to block them or something, right? But if you play Space Bellerin, I'm sitting here assigning sectors and blocking sectors <laughs> and whatever. Like, I have to opt into your card, right? So I, I think some people get salty over that, right? The people that don't want kind of like the, the acorn mechanics, even though this is an eternal mechanic, it feels weird and you have to play with them. And it could be vaguely popular just because people open this thing and they'll just put it in their deck, you know, just like for whatever, right? So we're, we're going to see how tolerant the community is against playing like would you rather play against Janeth magistrate or a space bellerin we're about to find out right <laughs> like are we gonna have to have rule zero conversations about uh infinity i don't know right but that'd be my concern because a lot of people don't like infinity and this kind of just forces it into the whole table right I mean, thankfully, it's not super powerful. Like, uh, if you had a Jace the Mind Sculptor or something that was having a mechanic that a lot of people didn't like, that would be worse. Uh, yeah, I'm sure some people will put it in their decks because they open it or whatever. But I think the fact that it's powered down so much means that in practice, I would be surprised if you're seeing this often in your random pickup commander games. And once in a while, I guess you just you can deal with it, even if you don't like it. There's a lot of cards in Magic that you don't like you know you get blood mooned or killed by ragavan on turn <laughs> five crim uh and yet you, you just suck it up and deal with it and then you play again next week and try to get revenge well, on crim for killing you on turn five yeah <laughs> it, it, it's, 
And, and and then by the way, everybody now understands why we kill the Merkel deck on turn five. <laughs> All right. Like uh, so new mechanic, new mechanic. Attractions. Okay, attractions are very complicated. Uh, we'll start off with Myra the Magnificent. Two blue and a red. It's a two-four. Legendary creature, human performer. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell from your hand, open an attraction. Uh, X tap, exile target, instant or sorcery card with mana value X from your graveyard. And choose an attraction you control that doesn't have a midway counter on it. Put a midway counter on it. When you visit that attraction, copy the exiled card. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. Now, attractions have their own deck and graveyard. <laughs> uh, when you play Constructed, you will choose 10 attractions. They must have unique names. And uh, when, when you play an attraction, you'll get one random off the top. And then uh, when you visit an attraction, uh, you roll a die, a six-sided die. There are lit-up numbers on the side of the attraction. If you match those lit-up numbers, um, you get the ability. And an example is Haunted House. Uh, I have one that's lit up on three and six. Visit, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains haste. Exile it at the beginning of your next end step. And Haunted House has multiple versions. And different <laughs> versions have different lit up numbers. <laughs> so your, your die roll needs to match the number. And then you get the effect. And then this thing comes in its own 10 card deck. So you get a random one. And... You can only have unique names, so you can't have two with like two different lit up numbers. And this is eternal legal, and there's also acorn attractions. So. Yeah, that makes that makes sense <laughs> together. That would it would be too simple if they were just all legal or all not legal. I mean, this is just so convoluted. It's like it reminds me of dungeons, like venture into yes. a dungeon, but just like way more random and way more convoluted but the way it's gonna play i think is kind of like venturing into a dungeon but the dungeon you get's gonna be random and then there's only like a 50 percent chance or whatever that you actually trigger it each turn because it's based on a die roll so i think if you add all that together it means this is not actually gonna matter anywhere like do people even want to do this does anyone does anyone love this mechanic enough to even build a commander deck around it I'm guessing the answer is not very many people. So I feel like, yes, it's convoluted and super complexity creepy, but maybe harmless because it's just so bad. Not many people are going to play it. That's what I'm hoping for, at least. I don't know about that, Seth. I don't know. Some of these cards are pretty darn fun. Are these coming to Moto? Just curious. <laughs> oh, I, would be, I would be shocked. I, 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 they have to overtake this, Vintage I, and Legacy, and then we might, <laughs> we might see them added eventually. Because that's kind of a bummer, because like, I would play Space Bellerin on Moto in Commander, right? <laughs> like, so, like, these attractions are, like, hilarious, uh, I, I want to jam them. I just want to see if I can roll dice. First off, I want to see if Moto can handle a die roll uh, because, you know, I it barely is able to handle anything else. Um, so if they add a dice rolling system so you can see if you match the numbers on the side. Uh, the fact that, like, there are different versions of each attraction with, like, as in different numbers. Uh, I, I think that's kind of humorous. This is a set I'm all for. And I, I so far, I love these attractions. So I could see me just building an attraction like like deck. The only problem I've got is that a lot of the cards that open attractions and all that stuff aren't that great. They aren't that great. 
and the attractions in general are like pretty hit or miss you gotta have 10 of them you're gonna get random ones so you can't choose like the good one for a situation and while some of them are pretty good like oh reanimate a creature until end of turn or whatever some of them are like target creature must be blocked this turn or you know just like pretty that's why they reminds me of dungeons like some of the effects are like kind of strong but then there's a lot that are like kind of meh like scry one or whatever so you have that like dungeon power level except you can't like choose the most beneficial path to go you just gotta literally roll with the punches and and see what your dice says is this like you can only you can have 10 and only one of each attraction minimum of 10 and you can only have one of each with the same name so yeah dang it because i really want that merry go around trigger every turn (laughs) like aside when you when you open it it triggers right do they trigger like every upkeep or something i believe that I believe that they trigger every upkeep. So once you have attractions going, you'll roll. So you could theoretically, if I'm understanding it right, get multiple attraction abilities. Like if you oh have multiples God. where if you roll a three, it triggers and you roll a three, then you would get both of those on your upkeep. That's my current understanding, but I'm sure the chat will let me know if I'm wrong. The comments you, will will point you, it out. You can... There's no way I'm not, okay. I would build an attractsa deck, and, so, and then oh my god, I think it's perfect. It's I, perfect. I think that's why they have the versions with different numbers. So you get to choose like, if you wanted to, you could try to have ten attractions that all trigger on the number two or something. So then, if you roll a two, you're gonna get a huge turn with tons of stuff. But if you roll other stuff, you're gonna be sad. Or you can try to split it up. So. You have each you want of, to cover each of the numbers yeah. covered and get a little bit of value no matter what you roll, but you're never going to trigger a bunch of them at once. So I think that's the the idea of why they made so many different versions of them. Okay, I, I'm just gonna say this sounds like the most alchemy mechanic ever. Like, <laughs> this sounds like it is a digital mechanic, and they're trying to make it work in paper with like eight layers of randomness, right? Like this seems like <laughs> ETB random effect, right? Except I have. You know, a 10-card deck that's randomized and then a die roll that's randomized to trigger abilities. This seems pretty fun. There's some (laughs) fairly efficient, like, attraction opening stuff, right? There's, like, a one-drop. One-drop Savannah Lions comes into play tapped. When it dies, you get to open an attraction. There's Most Dangerous Gamer. Four-mana 2-2 Legend with Death Touch. When it ETBs or attacks, you open an attraction. When you open an attraction, put a counter on it. And when you claim a prize of an attraction, you get to destroy any permanent. I don't think this is going to make it, like, legacy playable, but... I think you could build a commander deck around it if you wanted to. Like, if you actually did want to build Attraction Tribal, like, I think the pieces exist to do it. I don't think it'll be high-powered, but it would work. What about Dick Fit? <laughs> I'm going to, if they add it to Moto, I'm building Most Dangerous Gamer Nick Fit just to say that I did. Just to just to say that I, that I tried well, every, it. Every time you have some horrible standard-looking card, you got to ask, Fit. like, what about Nick Fit? <laughs> Can you win with it in Nick Fit? Uh, uh, just, so... What what is the maximum deck size you can have now with all the accessory decks? You can oh. put like dungeon. So you need a, oh. so you need the sticker <laughs> yeah. board with yeah. with your different sticker cards. You need the attraction board. You need your dungeons, monarch initiative. Yeah, yeah you got to have those tokens just in case. Am I missing anything? Actual sideboard, of course. Companion, um, you could have a companion in there. Yeah, companion. Okay. <laughs> do Do you think Watsi will update the deck registration form? It only has like oh. <laughs> main deck and sideboard. Like, where do I put my stickers and my attraction deck? Huh, Watsi. 
Can I, can I, I mean, play I guess paper legacy tournaments. Yeah. <laughs> I assume you would have to register it. Like, if you were actually going to play <laughs> stickers or attractions in a tournament, you're right. Wow. So, do you think this is good for the game? Do you think, like, so the benefit of this is it's, like, kind of fun and quirky and something different. But then the downside is it's really complicated. And since it's eternal legal, it exists literally until the end of time. <laughs> so, once you add something like that into the game, like... 30 years from now, they can still put stickers on things if they want to. Do you think overall it ends up being a, a positive or a negative for the game? <laughs> I think it, it's funny. So I, I, I think it's a positive. Like, everybody calm down. Just if because you cards can. cards aren't even that good. Doesn't mean you should. Like, imagine <laughs> sitting down with a new player. You're like... Hey, Jane, would you like to play EDH with us? I have a pre-con for you. And then your buddy over there, like, busts out this Infinity deck, and you spend, like, 80 years explaining attractions and stickers, and, like, they're just like, what the heck is Vigilance? How do I block, right? And he's like, oh, but wait, you have to choose a lane, okay? And then my, my planeswalker goes to four. It's, like, so convoluted. Is it really that, is it worth the fun? Like, you know, like, yes, it's novel. But, like, is it worth it to add all this complexity to the game just for this? Like, nowhere on this card does it explain how any of this works, right? So you, you know, you, you cannot figure out how this works without, like, Googling and going onto the mechanics website and, you know, whatever, right? Like, what happened to reminder text explaining how mechanics <laughs> work, right? Like, so for new players, for a casual format, I think this is, like, a lot worse, right? Like, you just do not understand what's going on. And you will probably play it wrong yourself, right? And, and it's just like a big mess. Like, and for what? Like, attractions? Like, is that was that worth it? Like, at least Dungeons and Dragons. Like, dungeons. You wanted dungeons for Dungeons and Dragons, but like, <laughs> attractions. Like, is it really worth it? And dungeons are a little more gronkable. Like, at least you're just like kind of moving to the next thing. It says venture into a dungeon. You go to the next room. So there's a little more simplicity. I I do think there's an interesting conversation to have about commander and if it's becoming too inaccessible for new players like i feel like we're in this world where commander is the like default new player format like paper standard doesn't really go on if you're going to introduce someone to the game it's probably commander and the uh, commander keeps getting more and more complicated so i do wonder if we're going to get to a point where it just becomes prohibitively too complicated for someone to pick up commander and start to learn the game which i think would be that would be a bad thing for the format i think in this case, again, I lean towards, like, these cards are all just so bad that people are going to troll with them for the next three months or whatever and play them, and then they're going to, like, move on to the next thing and forget that these cards exist. So I, I'm guessing that, like, long-term, we just won't really ever see these cards, and it'll be okay. But I do have, a like, a bit of a concern that if we keep adding these super complex mechanics to Commander, that it's going to get really hard for someone that's never played before to pick up a deck. Commander is already hard to pick up compared to 60-card format. You get 100 singleton cards <laughs> in there and its own rules and... And so I do think there's like a bit of a worry about that. I I do I do not. Okay, let's be real here, everybody. <laughs> is this set really what makes magic so much more complicated? <laughs> is is the, you are you really worried that like okay, infinity is why the sky is falling, right? Like no, <laughs> this isn't what makes the game harder for new players. The, 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 no one, none of the new players will even like think these cards are like worth playing, other than like they they might hear about it in passing. Right, like, oh, there's. I heard there was a weird space set. Yeah, most of that's not legal, so don't worry about it. But like, you know what I mean? Like, I, come on, 
and then if you're if you're a, the friend that shows magic to a new person starting with infinity well then you know like like maybe maybe that's on you right like come on right like come on i, I need I'm, to put i need to put crim behind the the goldfish customer support emails where like yeah. every day people are like Oh, is this card legal in, in Legacy? <laughs> like I thought, I thought it was an Acorn card, or what's an Acorn? Like people don't even know the legalities of like the set, right? Let alone like how any of these mechanics work, right? Or oh, oh, color identity. Oh my goodness, I got so many emails from people who are like, "This says my deck is illegal, but my deck is legal because Garrick is a green card, and the backside doesn't count." I'm like, I need to explain to you color identity or something like that, right? Like. You give people a lot more credit. Like, yes, if you're a Twitch streamer grinding magic, you'll know exactly how all these cards work. But casual people are like, you know, it's a hybrid mana symbol. Why can't I put it in my deck? <laughs> right? Like, I opened this from a pack at Walmart. Why can't it go in my deck? Right? Like, <laughs> why would casual player, whoever, casual player X, be like picking up Infinity? Because they don't right? know. They just, just go to Walmart. They're like, look, Infinity. Yeah. Right? They open it up. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe so, but like, this isn't the, dude, if, if you would have shown me like, 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 or like example, if you let me look at an Oko and let me look at Earl, are these acorn cards? I don't know. Like, if I, like, I feel like these are acorn cards, right? Like, are you joking? Like, come on. Like, I, I don't think that infinity is like the, the set that pushes it over the edge or whatever, but I do think there's like a general trend towards more and more complexity. Maybe it's like a way to keep adding new things to the game. So things can be more and more complex. So uh, in isolation by itself, like whatever, it's a random unset. I still don't know why they felt like they need to make it legal places necessarily, but whatever, it's a random unset. But I do think like, as we keep getting mutates and attractions and stickers, like it just like slowly builds on top of it self until eventually like the format explodes and no one can keep track of it anymore. Like no new player could actually like understand what's going on. So I do think like, I don't know, isn't that not like a little bit of a legit concern? Like just the overall trajectory towards like complexity and sticker boards and attraction boards, companions mutate, like it just keeps piling on top of each other. I wouldn't want to be a new player trying to learn commander today, like compared to like five years ago or 10 years ago. I think it'd be much tougher to pick up today. I mean, I think but it like just means commander, commander isn't hard to pick up with new people. If when there's pre cons, you can very much so fine tune the experience, right? Like, like, it, you know, like you kind of have a, a starting point, right? And then sure. Like if you play against attraction, uh, <laughs> my attracts a deck, uh, then, then sure. All right. Then, then, then we're, we, we can be concerned about it then. But like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that commander with all the pre cons that come out every set now, it's not, I think there's a good starting point for all of it. It's probably easier to start than like standard. Yeah. I I think this complexity creep means the majority of magic players are old time players, all right? Or existing players, right? Like if you just give them another grizzly bear, they're like, "Ugh, what is this? I need some new mechanic." Right? But if they were mostly new players, like every mechanic to them is new, right? They can play like 25 years of mechanics. They don't need new mechanics, right? So it it worries me that Wizards is pushing so hard on complexity because that means it's the aging player base that needs something new, right? Like we need we need the next Oko. We need Comet, right? Like we're not we're not happy with like some dirtily card. Whereas new players would just be happy, like, oh look, it's Jason Space. That's funny enough for me, right? <laughs> like they, they can play it, right? So 
So that's a bit of concern. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Crimson, this is not the set that's like the nail in the coffin, right? But it's just like another step in that direction, right? And yeah, good luck. <laughs> good luck playing Magic in 2022 from scratch, right? Like it's, it's very difficult. <laughs> oh, anyway, that's... <laughs> I think uh, I think all the time we have for Infinity stuff, unless you get any final thoughts, but we should probably hit a fish mail or two. All right. All right, let's fish mail it, Richard. If you have questions, send them to at mtggoldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. Uh, I'm starting to think, oh, sorry, make Vara happy. I'm starting to think Morrow was right about Silver Borders. I would not be following Unfinity preview season if there were no Eternal Legal cards. But now I see a bunch of Acorn cards I want to rule zero in I otherwise wouldn't pay attention to. Thoughts? So have there been Acorn cards that you guys are like, wow, this card's like amazing. I want to play with it. No, no bias. But like, you know, the card I spoiled, Grey Merchant of Alphabet, is really funny. I, I I would love to play that card, right? Like three black black, uh, two four. When Gray Merchant enters uh, of Alphabet enters the battlefield, choose a letter for each creature you control that has the chosen letter in the name. You gain one life. Each opponent loses a life. Flavor text also acknowledges Gary. Like 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 it is. It mentions Gary, but like this card just seems funny to play with, right? And. I don't know. You can probably choose like the letter T or A in some creatures, and then it would just like almost like drain the table, <laughs> like an absurd amount. I, I I like it. I think that card would be fun to see in like a normal border, right? And then you also have, I think, a few of the attractions like that. I don't understand why they're acorned. Uh, could just be a normal thing, like. There's Centrifuge, the rare attraction where it's just each player draws a card from the library of the player to their right. You create three treasure tokens. I mean, you That's can't home. have you can't have people stealing each other's cards. That's pretty obvious. That already exists. That. You can't they put, already exist. Is it's there Demir? There's no card that lets you put your opponent's card into your hand. Is there? I don't think a card in Magic exists where you can put it, one no. of your opponent's cards into your hand. <laughs> but it's the next step. Right, like because we're already we have siphon insight. I'm drawing off your library, but it's revealed, right? So, so why not just siphon insight but put it to my hand? I mean, couldn't they have just done it the exile way and made it like siphon insight, and then it would have worked? They could have probably done it that way if they wanted to. No, but it's not as funny. Yeah, because that like <laughs> oh, there, there's that I, card I don't with know. like mobile phones or whatever. What was it? I, I feel like. Be very careful touching other people's phones with their permission, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> photo photo op, maybe. Oh no, that's a, a different one. Did you see photo op? Oh my god, you got to like take a selfie and I post it on your social media, and then show people the responses that you get. And if you do, then you then you get a, a reward out of it. I mean, some of these trigger are happy. Like, there's some like, trigger happy is a fun one. Right? Did you see that? Like that—that's when you copy or you choose a triggered ability to target permanent, and it triggers. You control that ability. Ooh, Why is that acorn? That's kind of cool. I mean, far out's right. one that I I like. I think for me, like I, this goes back to the podcast we did about silver border cards in the past. There's a lot of silver border cards that I would be fine with someone rule zeroing in one time. If you want to like hat tribal me, or you want to play the the legend Leela that like cares about commons in specific, lets you cast things that are common rarity off the top of your deck. There's many cards that are like that. I don't 
think that I'd want to have to think through the actual ramifications of them. I don't want to have to think through the hat tribal meta and be like, oh, like this has good hats. So what do I play like to counter that? Or like, I don't want to be counting the number of letters and all the words like for the rest of the time. So there's a lot of stuff that if you wanted to rules that were in against me, pretty much anything in the set, I would probably say yes. But at the same time, I wouldn't want to have to play against those cards every week for the next 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to play around again. And I quote the hat tribal meta okay we need a we need a pyroblast for hats we need a pyroblast for hats. i'm just saying just in case things get out of control (laughs) i I think i agree with Krim on this like if you're gonna add like space ballerin and stuff into eternal like you should just put them all in right and the reason they they can't is the rule system does not support these like silver bordered cards right like things that are intuitively understandable but they could have just made the whole set like actually adhere to the magic rules, but be wacky and weird. Uh, and then that would like remove this acorn confusion and they don't need to jam in like full arts and, you know, shock lands or whatever to sell the set. Like they can just make the whole set wacky and just like inject it in. Uh, Cause they've done it with half the cards. Right. And then you have these other half that are just like kind of sitting around and are awkward. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a, <laughs> Right, so this is a way to appeal to everyone, right? Not rock the boat. <laughs> have some acorn <laughs> cards, have some eternal cards, have some actual valuable cards that people can buy the boxes for. Um, but but yeah. Uh, so that's all the time we have for Fishmail this week. Uh, if you have future questions, send them to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 400 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Grimm, thanks for hanging out. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about early brothers for spoilers. We're coming on Thursday and whatever else goes on in the world of magic. So, until then, everyone, have a good week.